Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thank you for being with us on this Friday Eve, <laughs> however you want to term it. Uh, but always glad to be with you and always glad to have back one of our guest that just keeps us in the know and he is on top of everything uh, getting us caught up on some of the cases that we haven't had a chance to uh, check on and that is civil rights attorney Kevin Anderson of Anderson and Welch. Good morning sir how are you doing? Good morning I'm doing fine and how are you doing? I am doing quite well thank you so much for asking always a pleasure to have you on thank you so much for the time I know you're busy So, I am, I so am, but you've been busier. You've been uh, just showing off this week. I, I listened to you interview quite a few people who had some really informative things to say. Um, I enjoyed your show over the past few days. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Got to make up for some lost time and for some um, lax attitude that I've had recently. So that's not, haven't been starting off New Year quite the way I had intended. But yeah, um, I, I really appreciate the guests that we've had on this week. They've really helped um, kind of motivate me, you know, hopefully some other people into, you know, kind of getting off our dust and, and, you know, doing more than just saying, you know, being cheerleaders, you know. So that's pretty good. Yeah. So um, by the way, uh, before we get started, um, and I know Kevin's got a lot to get to, but if you did attend the rally and tally yesterday and you want to share some information, please, you know, give us a call. We'll, you know, we'll take your call. We'll, you know, catch up a little bit on that. Uh, the number is 516-387-1944. And also if you have questions for Kevin or comments along the way, same number, 516-387-1944. So where do we start, Kevin? The nation is a buzz in Memphis, Tennessee. And I say the nation because uh, they are focused in, on what's going on down there with the five police officers who uh, have now been uh, suspended for the beating death of uh, Tyree Nichols. For the listening uh, audience here, uh, Tyree Nichols is a, or was a man who um, had been pulled over for reckless driving. Uh, during the encounter with the uh, police, uh, apparently he, uh, according to their statements, and now it, it appears to be verified by video, um, he took flight, meaning he ran, he left. And uh, when the police caught up with him, 
they began to administer a, a severe beating. Uh, according to reports that we're hearing, uh, Mr. Nichols was uh, cased, uh, pepper sprayed, uh, and restrained, but um, also uh, kicked and punched. Uh, one of the officials who has been uh, reporting to the media stated that uh, Mr. Nichols uh, was uh, a, quote, human pinata, unquote. And uh, he didn't die that day, uh, three days later, he succumbed to his injuries and, uh, and died. Uh, the uh, initial or preliminary cause of death, because there is no autopsy that we're, we're going to be quoting from at this point, uh, was uh, from a heart attack and kidney failure. So again, uh, until we get the official cause and manner of death, we're not able to conclusively say what a medical examiner um, has uh, uh, has uh, uh, indicated was the reason for him passing. But we do know that we're hearing that he did sustain cardiac arrest and that there, in addition, was kidney failure. So um, this is a case that the U.S. Department of Justice uh, has opened a civil rights investigation into. In addition, the uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, which is akin to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, they, too, are investigating uh, the excessive use of force. Um, uh, these individual officers were, uh, as I said earlier, they were, were placed on leave, uh, and, and I believe, actually, that they were, they were terminated. I, I believe that's, that's exactly what happened to them uh, for uh, several things. Um, ex excessive force was one of the uh, allegations, and uh, also failure to render aid to a person who was in need of aid. That, too, was an allegation. And um, there was, a believe, I believe, a supervisory uh, violation for someone being in authority or supervision over the officers who failed to intervene. So those are the, the three administrative matters that have been uh, looked into and formed the basis for uh, the actions that have been taken against the officers. To my knowledge, there has not been an indictment yet uh, or an arrest yet, but I believe that is forthcoming. Okay. I, I, I am wondering, so are we, like, hiring, like, really puny police officers these days where it takes, it's like, a, you know, five of them to one criminal ratio in order to get the man, I mean, <laughs> You know, and I do hear things about, you know, some of the criminals or, or alleged criminals, you know, maybe being on uh, substances that may uh, enhance their strength or, I guess, uh, limit their inhibitions or, or whatever the case may be. But I'm still saying, is it that we are hiring police, puny police officers? They're just not strong enough. Are they not trained properly, you know, in terms of being able to take that? Why does it take five? I need to, I need that question answered. Why does it take five? I would need to see the video to tell you whether five men participated equally uh, in the use of force. Uh, typically, whenever there uh, is a deployment of force, a number of officers respond to a location. Uh, and, uh, you know, what you're going to find is uh, multiple officers being present, but maybe not every officer 
disproportionately culpable for the same activity. So, okay. um, you know, the sheer numbers could be a bit uh, uh, deceptive. Um, I want to see that video. That video has not been released yet. We're just hearing, okay. uh, you know, snippets from what I believe uh, uh, Mr. Crump, Ben Crump, one of the uh, lawyers uh, who has been engaged uh, has seen, and uh, I believe there are other uh, officials who have viewed the video, along with the family, who are just saying things, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, you said you think that the police officers may have been fired. Uh, do, do they have a, a, I guess, a cause to say? I mean, if if they are found, let's say, let's just say, if they are found not guilty for whatever they end up being charged with, do they have a case in order to get their jobs back? Um, there is due process afforded uh, a government employee, uh, and a, a law enforcement officer is uh, in that category. Uh, mm-hmm. The basis for termination uh, tends to be significantly different from a basis uh, for bringing criminal charges against an employee. So okay. uh, sometimes they uh, work uh, together hand in hand, and then there are times when they don't. Uh, sometimes law yeah, enforcement I was, officers may I was get terminated. Kind of curious. And, yeah, I was kind of curious because um, if you know if this hasn't gone through you know a trial or anything already, what is it that would have determined that these officers needed to have been fired? Is it a violation of some sort of policy? And does that viol- if there is a violation of policy, does that violation of policy? Um, come into play in a, a trial against these officers at some do, at some date. Oh, well, okay, good question. Uh, and and uh, let's unpack that. The officers' employment is purely a labor issue, and uh, there are lawyers who specialize in uh, the protection of law enforcement. Uh, with respect to those matters. In fact, there is a law enforcement uh, officer's bill of rights uh, that is scrupulously adhered to. Uh, But on the other hand, with respect to the extent of uh, those uh, those rights, uh, we know, like in the uh, George Floyd case concerning Derek Chauvin, he Mm -hmm. lost his job before he was tried in state and certainly uh, before he took a plea in federal court. So uh, there are some things that are just so uh, so uh, notorious that you're just not going to maintain your job. You know, things that are done on video, things that you admit to, uh, things particularly resulting in serious bodily injury or death where there is uh, this wanton and careless regard for human life or safety. Uh, those are the matters that uh, seem to be disposed of rather quickly. But Again, that, that's a labor, a labor issue concerning the employment aspect of matters. Um, so, um, nobody answered your question. Yeah, yeah, somewhat, somewhat. Just okay. what, what, just what is it that, that I did? No, no, no. To. It's just, it's just that you know, it's, it's like where they, you know, they said officers were fired. Were they fired because they did something wrong? In this case, were they fired because they had something in their past? You know, I mean, the case has, there, there hasn't even like gone into. Uh, court yet, right? Uh, it, so it why are they already fired? In criminal charges. 
It hasn't resulted in, in criminal charges. Actually, right. Um, uh, okay. Every municipality may have a scheme for uh, whether they retain or terminate employees. Um, I know that um, the, the five officers involved in the arrest here were, in fact, fired after a police probe. Now, that probe, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how exhaustive it was, whether there was a panel, whether these individuals were afforded the opportunity uh, to uh, submit things and the failure to do so. Uh, is an agreed basis for cause so that uh, they would be terminated. I just don't know what their scheme is. That's that's, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. But I will say one of the officers, uh, I believe his name was Haley, Demetrius Haley, he had a prior lawsuit against him uh, for uh, excessive force uh, when he served Uh as a corrections officer. Now, the lawsuit, from my understanding, did not, uh, go to uh, a, a, a jury, it didn't even get uh, settled by agreement. In fact, I believe there was a dismissal. But that played a factor because this wasn't his first rodeo. Uh, the other four guys, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what exactly consisted of, of, uh, of, of the decision to terminate them, but all five of them were fired. See, now, that's one of the things that um... – I guess that troubles me is like, okay, there was already some history there. And so then you have this. And so what is going to prevent someone like this from being hired at another agency, you know, and and doing the same thing just repeatedly, just hopscotching around? That's a problem. And there is legislation uh, in the United States Senate right now that is uh, being kept on someone's desk, which has not uh, been advanced, which would have addressed things like this. Actually, it Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have stopped their employment because these guys have been working there uh, for a while. But uh, going forward, uh, the legislation does address a clearinghouse or a database for uh, previous employment at law enforcement agencies and a, quote, red flag, unquote, where – that employment was either uh, terminated because of uh, some uh, objectionable basis that the agency had against the officer or the officer resigned in lieu of discipline, all right? So, so that, that's huge. What you're bringing up is huge because we keep hiring the same bad guys. You know, it's like a bad penny. It just, they just keep popping up, and they just go from state to state, city to city, go from corrections to law enforcement, law enforcement to corrections, and we're not catching them. Yeah, uh, because that that does bother me. I mean, I I believe in second chances, but um, I I think in the case like this, especially where, you know, you are in charge to a degree of someone's, uh, the public's uh, safety and health, uh, I think, you know, you need to show, I guess, some sort of maybe retraining or something like this, uh, a period of, of, of time, maybe some anger management, I don't know, before you end up back into another similar situation. So, I yeah. do not believe in second chances for police officers. Really? This is a, a high liability area. It, uh, their job deals with things that could end your life. These men and women are uh, given the authority to kill you if necessary. 
And mm-hmm. so let me compare that to, for example, a physician or a surgeon who, um, for whatever reason, uh, was uh, found liable for medical malpractice resulting in a person's death. And now, for whatever reason, you developed the same illness. Would you go to that doctor and give him a second chance to cut, to cut on you? What, what would you do? Would you? <laughs> no. no, heck no. Heck no. Okay. You wouldn't do that. All right, so there's right. some things that are so important and so critical until you don't get a second chance. You know, and this is one of those things. You know, go do something else. All right? You know, if you shoot somebody and you kill them, like, and you were found to have uh, used excessive force in doing so, you're done. You know, if you beat somebody, you know, within like an inch of their lives with a mag light, you know, if you're found to, to have uh, fabricated evidence, if you, if you kneel on someone's throat to a point where they're, they're unconscious and then they die, you don't get a second chance. You need to do something else. We, it's just too critical, G. The job is just too important. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So. All right. Let's keep right. here. All right. Let's okay. keep, but, but, hey, the, the, you know, what we aren't talking about is that these five officers were black. Yeah. The decedent is black. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. So and so we we, we are actually supposed to race should not matter. I mean, we we're supposed to be as upset about this as as someone by something someone of another race. The the, the people who even if they're black don't get a pass just because they're black. You know, and in fact, yeah, and in fact, not enough is being focused on uh, black on black crime, you know, whether it's police or not police um, or, you know, any other crime that's that's, uh, within race. For example, the um, the cases that are going on right now with the Asian community in California you know, um, it, it, in one case, it was a, another Asian person who had a dispute at work. But, you know, the person shouldn't get a pass because they're within that community. Same with the African-American community. You don't get a pass. You do wrong. You know, it, that's it. Well, these guys are, are being, you know, criticized. You know, the, the, uh, the, the city council and uh, the executive uh, echelons uh, – for Memphis, uh, they are definitely, definitely uh, scrutinizing what took place, and uh, they might be saying a little too much. If I were their lawyers, I'd probably tell them to keep their mouths shut because the lawsuit's coming. And, you know, yeah, you feel bad about it, and, you know, it shouldn't have happened, but, like, you know, as a police chief or a council person who uh, could arguably be speaking uh, on behalf of the agency, um, or the municipality, uh, because the statements are now going to be now adopted as, uh, you know, some admission against interest, um, they probably need to keep their mouths shut. But um, they are being critical. Uh, what they've said so far is, uh, is, is highly critical of, of what the police officers have been uh, fired for doing. Um, but I, do, are they getting a pass? I mean, are we as, uh, as the sideliners, Looking at this as uh, as black people saying, "Ah, oh, it's okay." No, we're not. We're not doing that. We're not. We're not saying, "Ah, oh, it's okay." But but we definitely, you know, aren't running through the streets like we did 
when uh, George Floyd was killed or when Breonna Taylor was killed. That's not happening. Um, you know, we know about it, and, uh, you know, we're following Mr. Crump and his uh, entourage, but bottom mm-hmm. line is that we're, we're certainly not giving it the energy that we gave for Ms. Taylor or Mr. Floyd. Okay, in all fairness, right. I think you got to agree with me here on that one. You know, right, um, right, and and and, so, and that and that's what I'm saying. You, you, they shouldn't get a pass just because. Well, it, it, it's us. We that's that's we don't give license to people to mistreat people uh, regardless of of the race. Wrong is wrong. I agree. I, mean, I agree. God, I agree. God is not. God is not saying that. You know, he's not. He's not saying, oh well, because you know you're this person. Uh, he, thou shalt not kill means thou shalt not kill. <laughs> No, that's just it. So. I agree. I agree. I just thought I'd bring that up, though, because, you know, yes. it's not Please, something thank you. that seems, seems to be talked about. We're just kind of looking at it going like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and it happens. We kill our own um, often. You know, we just don't hear about it. We just don't hear about it. Um, so uh, let's see. What else I- are we talking about? Go ahead. I need to, I, I need to, because this is still bothering me, and I don't. I was going to ask if you had heard any type of update in the Elijah McClain case, the um, death of the guy with the pair, you know, by the paramedics. You know, he was oh, restrained yeah. face that, down. That was in the Illinois case, the Colorado. The, Colorado. Yeah. Colorado. Okay. Uh, this is okay. now. This is a case. This is a, a case um, – well, okay, this is not the same case. I know which one you're talking about, Colorado. This is a case that uh, has been uh, brought back up. I think it happened in um, 2019. Yeah, Illinois was the case where it was face down on a stretcher. Sorry, I got that mixed up. But Elijah McClain, uh, someone in the Denver suburb of Aurora, um, but it was very similar to the, the case in um, – in Illinois, but in this particular case, and maybe I did not send this to you, um, he's, he was 23 year old. He was forcibly restrained, and he was injected with uh, ketamine. Uh, so recently, um, they said a group of paramedics and officers had pleaded not guilty. I think they they pleaded not guilty this past Friday, mm. I, I believe. Mm. Um, so I'll have to send you this one. But, yeah, then we have the other one that happened recently in Illinois where, the, you know, they were, like, you know, be, being just disrespectful for, to the man before they even strapped him down and had him face down on, on the gurney, which, like I said, I just don't know. And I know you and I both uh, wanted to get um, someone that has a little bit more medical insight um, into to kind of uh, join us on the show at some point and comment on that. But I didn't know if you had heard any type of update on, on either of those cases. I, you know, I, I look back at um, our, our notes, and I do remember mm-hmm. we had spoken about Elijah McClain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just quickly, I just looked, and I see that uh, everything that, that you're saying uh, um, has happened mm-hmm. in the past couple of days. Interesting, interesting. I'll be following that. I mean, I certainly – you know, I'll, I'll okay. take a look at it, and, and I'll tell you, you know, what my thoughts are. It appears to uh, have gone very far uh, yet in the mm-hmm. criminal justice system. There's probably a lawsuit that's out there, too, but I'll, I'll report back and tell you what I'm finding. But uh, okay. with, with, with the other case uh, that is uh, very recent, the uh-huh. uh, Illinois the, case, the gentleman, the Illinois case, Springfield, Illinois, uh, mm-hmm. Mr., uh, Mr. Moore, 
this was the case, uh, uh, if, if uh, people remember, where this was a, a, a gentleman who um, the uh, paramedics responded to. Um, and uh-huh. when they responded to him, he appeared uh, to be either intoxicated or under the influence of some substance or maybe even uh, um, struggling with some mental illness. Uh, mm-hmm. He looked to be he looked to be uh, looked to be staggering, but um, mm-hmm. the paramedics would not place him on the gurney. They would not um, you know, kind of take him out of the house. Uh, what they did was they taunted him uh, verbally, and uh, mm-hmm. they insisted that he do some things that he just couldn't do. For example, like walk, <laughs> you know. And um, so he you know he would stand and then he would just sort of fall down again and. Uh, he would, you know, sort of stagger and, you know, use something to hold himself up. And instead of just, like, grabbing him and putting him on a gurney or putting him in a chair and wheeling him out, um, you know, right. he, he was just taunted and taunted and taunted. So eventually he was uh, uh, allowed, uh, after he, under his own power, left the house uh, to, mm-hmm. to get on a stretcher. Uh, and he was mm-hmm. put face down on the stretcher and then mm-hmm. tightened up with straps. Well, yeah. not. Yeah, uh, and so according to this this article, um, they had some quotes uh, supposedly for what uh, they were saying to him. Uh, sit up, you know what I'm saying. You know, you know what I am not playing. Sit up, quit acting stupid. Sit up, sit up now. I am not playing with you tonight. Uh, you're gonna have to walk because we ain't carrying you. Yes, the video yeah. was just too much for me to keep watching. Now, I mean, I've seen people, you know, act a fool, so to speak. Uh, we we all have. Mm-hmm. We've seen people drink too much, um, you know, people oh, yeah. smoke too much or whatever, and, and you, you just know that, you know, they're just cutting up. But this guy, irrespective of how he got to that point, needed help. And the help was there but was not given. And when it was given, it was negligent. So mm-hmm. it was beyond negligent. Actually, it, it was reckless and even culpable to a point where the paramedics were arrested. These guys were arrested with murder, murder, first degree mm-hmm. murder. <laughs> and I, I, I you know, I, when I saw that, I thought, wow, not manslaughter, murder, first degree murder. But uh, I, I, there's you know, a debate yeah. with that, though, too, because isn't murder a harder uh, case? to uh, convict than manslaughter? Absolutely. Murder requires a conscious uh intent, a conscious intent to end life or doing something that is so reckless until you know that uh, death is imminent or very likely to occur. Um, Now, manslaughter, on the other hand, can arise from being uh, so reckless until it could occur or it's you're you're pushing uh, your carelessness or your negligence to a point where uh, the activity that's happening is likely to result in serious bodily injury and maybe even death and then death does occur um, you know you, you'll find like automobile accidents where you know people are, are, are speeding and they like they hit uh, like a child or something in the street or uh, you'll find uh, you know they're uh, you know a beating where you know a person just beats another person to death. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a case like this actually, I think, reeks of manslaughter. I don't know if they're ever going to get a first-degree murder charge out of this one. Uh, yeah, because this is the, the reason I was asking. One. The reason I, I'm sorry. The reason I was asking is because 
Do, do you think there may have been, and I hate this, I, I, you know, I know I'm suspicious, but do you think there may have been some within the system that decided to charge them with murder because it is tougher to prove and this gives those paramedics a chance to get off easier? Well, it doesn't work that way um, because okay. there, are, there are building blocks that will get you to the first-degree murder. And, you know, what goes up, you know, has to come down. So when you are now kind of whittling away at the top charge, then you start dropping, you know, to, uh, for example, in Florida, like uh, manslaughter or third-degree murder, uh, that type of stuff. So we call those lesser-included offenses. And um, oftentimes, if you start at the top, the uh, lesser-included offenses are used as a bargaining uh, basis or leverage so that uh, the parties can get where you probably should have began uh, with uh, when the case got started. So I'm confident that there will be some, uh, some, some back and forth. There's going to be a significant negotiation. And this case, if it goes to trial, which it probably will not, um, will end in something that won't even look like a murder charge. You know, it, it just won't. And there'll be a lawsuit. There'll be a lawsuit also, I'm sure. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of it's going to kind of die on the vine. You know, it'll, you know, the charges will be lessened. Um, like you said, they may not go to go to um, court. And, and, you know, I think it kind of needs to. I, I think, you know, you, you kind of need to have these, uh, cases visible so people can see the you know the wrong that's being done. So I, I don't live. think that does. It's live on the vine. It, it, it's not. I mean, you don't just take a murder case and then go. Oh, we're just kidding. You know, we're gonna. You know, we, we call it a null pros. In other words, a dismissal. It, it, that mm-hmm. that's rare for you to charge someone with first degree murder and then <laughs> just say, oh, you know, just kidding, or you know what, we got it all wrong. No, I don't think so. I think that these, this will result in accountability for some criminal charge. So I think there will be a conviction, and I think along with that conviction, there's going to be a suit against the municipality uh, for what these uh, two people did, and, uh, you know, the case will, will end like that. We'll, we'll be back talking about that, I guarantee you. I, this is on the radar. I got it on the whiteboard. We are going to take a break. Uh, We're here with Kevin Anderson of Anderson & Welch, and we are updating on some of the cases that have been going on, some that we did get a chance to address before, some we did not. Uh, If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com.
good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with civil rights attorney Kevin Anderson. And if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. So what else has been going on, Kevin, that we kind of need to get a little more insight on? Going on in. Hello? Okay, Kevin. let's try. Let, yes, I'm here. All right, so okay. let's uh, let's travel west and uh, find out what's going on in the uh, state of Louisiana. Uh, there uh, has been some activity there. Um, so just to uh, educate the listening audience here, so the uh, Louisiana Department of Public Safety and Corrections uh, they were under the scrutiny of the Justice Department. And the scrutiny uh, occurred because they were confining people uh, in, in their facilities or keeping people in their facilities long past the time when the individuals were uh, scheduled or, or supposed to be released. And um, uh, the Department of Justice concluded that, um, number one, the uh, – Louisiana Department of Public Safety, they were, in fact, denying due process to these individuals who weren't released. Number two, they didn't have policies or procedures which would have ensured that these people who were being illegally detained uh, were released. And uh, finally, that as a result of this activity, uh, that, that the department was going to include that um, the agency was deliberately indifferent. There was a systemic detention or over-detention of people uh, in this category. So um, that was big because um, um, keeping people beyond the time that they're supposed to be released um, happens all the time, not just in Louisiana. It happens in my town and it happens in your town too. Uh, gee, you know, some people may listen to this and think, well, good. <laughs> some people may feel like, well, you shouldn't have done something in the first place. If you don't want that to happen, then stop committing crime. All right. Yeah, well, but um, we, we, we get these, we determine these sentences in advance. So if the person does the time, you know, that has been designated, that has been agreed upon, then, yeah, they need to be. Um, out of the system. The other thing, too, is, you know, our tax dollars in a lot of cases are going toward paying for these, you know, these people to stay in these facilities, you know, and, and you know, where they're just, in some in some cases, they're not being rehabilitated. So, you know, that, that's some money that, that's being wasted in a way. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, we need to, we need to look closer at our system's you know, and this maybe this will kind of be a wake up call to to other systems around the country to kind of say, okay, we need to, you know, make sure that we have the proper measures in place to get these people, you know, in and out of the system, you know, as they're supposed to be uh, released. Uh, well, when uh, when I began practicing, uh, my uh, my law firm uh, had a motto, and the motto was, "You don't have to be a criminal." to be charged with a crime. And we attracted a number of clients because of that motto. When people felt like, you know, hey, that's me. You know, yeah, I went to jail, but like, man, 
I didn't do it. Those types of people uh, would fall in this category. There is something known as the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act. And, and what that does is it pertains to uh, people who have been confined at state and locally operated prisons and, and jails. Also, juvenile correctional facilities. And I'll take you one more. It applies to public nursing homes and mental health facilities and institutions. Essentially, it's your key to freedom. And it says that, man, you can't keep people longer than they have been designated to be confined. And that if you do, the Department of Justice has the, the, the self-actuating right to just go in and to institute a, an investigation and to cause there to be oversight and consent over your facility. Uh, and uh, this happens all the time, but we, we just don't know about it. We just don't hear about it. Um, so um, that's what happened in um, in Louisiana. Um, and actually, I think uh, something recently with respect to, to prisons in Mississippi, and there was a uh, the prisons in Mississippi, I believe uh, the, the, the state of, of, of those institutions was just a part just abhorrent from the, the, the food that these inmates were being fed to the, uh, the, the, the places where they were kept. Uh, these were like roach-infested, uh, rodent, rampant, uh, the medical uh, access was limited. There was violence. There was uh, very little oversight, very little protection. And uh, there was yeah. a, a – did you hear there about that? A- it's something I, I well as you were talking and I, I was trying to look it up. Uh, this is I guess from last year, but it was a two-year federal probe that um, found the conditions unsafe, um, including uh, solitary confinement and the lack of mental health treatment. And it says it violated the U.S. Constitution and contributed to deadly violence among inmates. This was an NBC. Uh, uh, news.com article that I found and I'll post it on, on the Jeep Power Hour Facebook page. But yeah, um, I, I, I'm assuming this is what you're talking about. They said uh, 10, inmates were killed, 10 inmates were killed and 12 died by suicide over the past two years. Um, they said beginning with a prison riot that started December 31st, 2019 and lasted for weeks. Yeah, yeah. This was, this was, um, uh, primarily brought to the forefront because of uh, the notoriety and, and, and to some degree the funding by uh, the uh, artist Jay-Z and uh, another artist that people may not have heard of. Uh, I know who he is uh, by the name of Yo Gotti. Uh, these two men, they sort of decided, look, you know, we're going we're gonna, to you know, stay in the saddle. We're going to ride this horse until it you know, comes home. And they did. And I think, you know, in part, this case reached a conclusion that is satisfactory because these men were involved. But um, the state of, of confinement in Mississippi was abhorrent. Um, Gene, you know, I, I practice criminal law as well as uh, police liability. I've been in a lot of jails. I've been in a lot of prisons. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, whenever I go into these facilities, I, I kind of look around. 
just to, to kind of see what uh, the living environment consists of. Um, I, I can only go so far, and uh, these people who are in these places are, uh, you know, coming out saying, listen, man, you don't know what's happening. The food we're eating, you don't understand, like, the conditions that we're uh, uh, subjected to when it comes to things as simple as, like, taking a shower, um, the fear, mm-hmm. the constant fear that we're experiencing. Um, we don't want to sleep at night. Um, you know, we don't want to go into a location where we might be alone. And it's not necessarily because we think a guard is going to do something to us. It's because of what the, the, the correctional officers might allow to happen to us. And, um, you know, it just becomes this, uh, this, this nightmare, this nightmare. And then when you add injury to insult by, you know, not giving proper medical treatment, um, you know, allowing infestations of, uh, of, of, of insects and, and rodents, um, you know, it, it's just too much. And, and, and I want to be clear, too, Florida is not out of the woods. Oh, no. You, prob- <laughs> you probably didn't know, but in Florida correctional institutions, if it's not private, there is no air conditioning and there is no heat. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Not at all. Whatever is happening outside is happening inside. Um, and everybody experiences it. Um, fortunately, we well, fortunately, I'm just going to say we do have private prisons in in Florida mm-hmm. as well as the, uh, the the Florida Department of Corrections run uh, facilities with uh, state officers. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the 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 private prisons will have these amenities. But those that are run solely by the Department of Corrections that will, that is employed. That which employs, uh, um, you know, state employees, no heat, no air conditioning. Um, that's the fact. Mm. Wow. So, you know, and, and the thing about it that we have to understand, because, you know, and I'm guilty too, uh, you know, first of all, number one, everybody that's in prison or in jail does not necessarily belong there, you know, but for various reasons or circumstances, they are there. Um, hopefully they have someone like Kevin working on their behalf. Uh, number two, uh, we're not necessarily supposed to mistreat people, even the ones who did the most horrible and despicable things. You know, it's not up to us to, you know, stoop to the level of our, you know, lowest and basis, you know, basic instincts and, um, you know, mistreat people. Okay, because the thing about it, number one, these people are going to some some of these people anyway are going to get out. Uh, you don't want them to to be damaged goods coming out, not too terribly much. You want them hopefully to have been rehabilitated um, and, and to you know put their lives on a different path from that which put them in prison in the first place. So we've got to make sure that the conditions are right for them. To, to be able to uh, make themselves better, you know, coming out than they, than they were when they went in, you know, bottom line. So we have to kind of stay on, on top of the, these issues and, and call attention to them and make sure that uh, the, they're corrected because these are human beings too. I agree. I agree. If in Florida, uh, if, for example, 911, if you make that mistake, 
and you press 911 or 91 and you're kidding around and someone else hits that other one, mm-hmm. they're coming. Uh, yeah. They're coming. The police are coming. So get your yeah. story together. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming. Yeah. And if there had been a fight or if mm-hmm. something is broken or God help you, God help mm-hmm. you if there's mm-hmm. an injury, somebody's mm-hmm. going to jail and you're not okay. getting out until the next day. Here. Yeah. You can't be released until you see a magistrate or a judge. So you have to mm-hmm. stay in overnight or until you, until that next uh, hearing date. We call it a first appearance, and uh, and they'll just trot you in front of a judge. I don't care who you are, G, Kevin, whoever. You're going in front mm-hmm. of a judge. So what would happen if you know we are released on our own recognizance, or you know we get some petty bond or something, and we're it's posted, and we're just not released. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just we're in jail for like two, three days. You know, yeah, um, damage you know, is done. And, and no matter what, yeah. the damage is done. The damage is done. So that mm-hmm. act addresses even the situation that I, I just described. Yeah, because I actually had, I don't, I don't think I doubted. it. I don't know what happened. I actually had the police to show up when I was uh, single at, at an apartment that I was staying in. I was, you know, shocked. Number one, to find the police at my door. Number two, and I guess it was fortunate for me, but I was shocked to find out it was an old high school classmate of mine. (laughs) And I think that was fortunate because, you know, this is a person that knows my character and was like, no, no, there's nothing going on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't know why you're here. But but yeah, it they, it doesn't take much, you know. You dial that nine one one or or whatever, or someone else dials it on you or for you. Um, they're showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. So all right. let's see so, where we're headed. Let's let's take our last quick break and then we'll come back. And like I said, if you have questions for Kevin, this is a good time to ask. The number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Hi there. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Mr. Kevin Anderson of Anderson and Welch. And the number, if you have questions, is 516-387-1944. So what else are we uh, are, are you on top of, Kevin, and, and giving us some insight on? Yeah, so let's talk about the, uh, the, the Zach King um, problem. Actually, it was a, it was a beating 
place in Arkansas um, where uh, deputies, well, two deputies and one police officer were uh, seen uh, striking a person with their knees and their fists and bouncing on top of his head. Um, mm-hmm. The Yeah, yes, yeah, this has been in the news uh, recently. Mm-hmm. A uh, federal indictment has been levied against uh, two of the, the uh, individuals, uh, the sheriff's deputies, but not the police officer in the case. And uh, so this, uh, you know, has, uh, has, has surfaced a bit. And in that the officers themselves, it appears that um, I, I'm, I'm trying to nail down the race of, of, uh, of the other two officers. I know one of the officers, uh, um, he is, he, let me just get this straight. He is, I know he's white. I saw him. Uh, the mm-hmm. other officer, and the, well, the other deputy and the, and the police officer, I'm not sure what their races are. Um, but um, this is uh, one of those cases where, uh, the federal government uh, got involved, and um, and and you wonder, you know, you know, why they get involved and, and why they don't. And so, um, typically, uh, where you got a, a pattern of misconduct, or you have something that is is so uh, egregious until it looks uh, like an, an like an organized uh, um, scheme or an ongoing uh, effort. Uh, to deprive individuals of their of their rights, uh, the Justice Department will step in and and they will uh, either um, investigate and uh, prosecute or uh, will uh, kind of levy their heavy hand over a particular department for activity that has happened uh, under the department's watch. Uh, but that mm-hmm. that case is is looming out there. It's an Arkansas case, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll keep, yeah, we'll keep our, uh... our finger on that one. Yeah, there's a, a site called police1.com. That's police and the number one.com. Uh, mentioned uh, Zach King and uh, Levi White uh, charged with using excessive force. The victim is Randall Worcester, uh, mm-hmm. uh, accused of uh, hitting him multiple times while he was on the ground. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is, I guess there's a cell phone. Uh, video of the arrest in um, Mulberry, not Florida, Arkansas. But yeah, there's uh, there's video of that too. So um, I'm getting what I can find and putting it on on the page for you guys. But um, you know, one of the things that I notice and I wanted to ask you about is in most of these cases. With the you know, and we talked about police, and we talked about paramedics. In most of these cases, they're male. Okay, you have I, I see very few um, female. Like I know the one case had uh, a female paramedic involved, but it, see, it seems like most of these cases are male. Is is there any difference in terms of how the males and females are trained to handle these cases? Is there a reason that we don't see as many females involved in these cases that you know of or can you know speculate on as as the police officer or as the as the victim no as, as the police officer okay all right 
I think there would okay. be definitely yeah. more of an. I, I would think. I I think, and I could be wrong, but there would be more of an outcry if the victim was female. But I don't necessarily see too many. I know there have been situations, but I don't necessarily see too many females that get caught up in these type of situations either. Well, the, the one the one uh, woman in Minnesota um, who um, shot the young man, she thought she was reaching for a taser. Um, you know, that happened, uh, if you recall the case, where there was a traffic stop. She was, a, I think, a 20-year right. uh, police veteran mm-hmm. who was actually a field training officer. She uh, mm-hmm. went to use her, she thought, or she claimed she went to use her handgun, and she pulled her, mm-hmm. well, she went to use her taser rather than she pulled her handgun. So that, that's one of those instances. But uh, so, somehow right. I think you're talking about those cases where there's a beatdown. You know, not, you know, not mm-hmm. like, oh, I made a mistake and I just, you know, shot you. You're talking about um, hands-on, you know, right. kicking, kneeing, choking, punching, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I can only surmise, you know, I, I can't, can't give you any, any theory on it as, in terms of, like, why women uh, aren't, uh, you know, the, uh, the target of, of our lawsuits more. And, and, and my supposition is, is one of uh, aggression and one of, of size and strength. Um, you know, and I, I just, you know, the, the, the victim tends to be a man. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I think we, we live in a society where women could be as aggressive and, it, and they could be as, as strong and could be as, as, uh, as capable of doing these things. But you don't see it, I think, because of, of our culture. Um, but you have you have piqued my interest, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look at some numbers because uh, these stats are available. They they really are available, and and I want to want to see just of, of the numbers of of uh, of uh, the, uh, defendants and civil lawsuits pertaining to excessive force, and the number of uh, defendants uh, in these uh, federal uh, criminal rights lawsuits. Or, or, or charges or criminal cases uh, for excessive force, um, what the sheer numbers are with respect to men and women. Uh, I, I want to see. Um, and I also want to check out the race, too, whether, you know, these, are, these tend to be white women or, or black women. Um, I, I'm curious, you know. Um, but, um, you know, what, what makes you so curious, though, G? Why, why are you asking that question? No, I, I am just curious because I know that, um, we do have, you know, I know we don't have as many women in these situations as men. And to begin with, we don't have as many police you know, women that are police than we do as men, although the numbers are increasing. Um, and I see that regularly. But in terms of when we have these situations and we have video and everything, it just does not tend to uh, be women that are, and you would, and I, the reason I ask is because you would think that women who are accused of being more emotional and and less restrained and everything, you know, would be, you know, letting their aggressions out and pounding the hell out of somebody, you know, but not that we want that, we don't, you know, you don't see that, you don't see a lot of women uh, in these cases, you just see a lot of of men in these cases. And that's why I was just kind of curious. Are, are there women doing any of these things? We don't want to encourage it at all. We, Cause we just don't want to encourage the behavior at all. But I was just curious if you had seen any of these situations that it may have involved uh, women. 
Well, law enforcement is, is predominantly uh, a male-dominated occupation. Right. Uh, so when you look at the sheer numbers of uh, law enforcement officers, uh, there will be a proportionate number of, uh, of people involved in these incidents uh, who, uh, amongst the, the male gender, which would be greater than, than, than the female gender. So I think that might account also for the disparity. Um, but, again, you know, I mean, there's, there is empiric data, which gives us the raw numbers. And then when we look at the data, I'm certain that criminologists um, have given us theories on why, even within the category for women who are uh, the defendants in civil cases and the defendants in criminal cases who are law enforcement officers, uh, have been accused uh, for those particular episodes. we got a couple of minutes left, Kevin. Um, you know, we're coming up on Black History Month next month, and a lot of this stuff kind of tends to, um, I guess, get more attention, these, these civil rights cases around Black History Month. Um, is there anything in particular that we should be calling attention to as uh, February comes up? We should. We, we certainly uh, should call attention to uh, the, um, the the salient racism that is institutionalized, and it is uh, it's it's there, and it has been with us for so long until it's normal, and you know we just don't even think twice about the the things that happen to us and around us. Uh, because of this institutionalized racism. Uh, and, uh, and I think as, as uh, black men and women, uh, we need to be more vigilant. I think we need to um, uh, children uh, aware that there are things happening which probably shouldn't happen. Um, now, I'm not, you know, trying to, uh, you know, start uh, any craziness. But what I am trying to do is I'm trying to, to make uh, – make you aware, or at least whoever's listening to me, that there, you know, you're, you're not safe. You know, there are things going on. You might, you know, be in a safety harbor. You might be making a ton of money. You might have a great position. You might have a great lifestyle. But there are things around you and that impact other people also, uh, which are the product of racism or at least exists within a racist culture. Um, so, um, you know, just, just, I think you should just be aware of systemic racism that's been going on for so long until it's like normal. You don't even think about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Kevin, thank you so much. Always, always a delight having you on, and we can uh, bounce these issues around and get, you know, straight talk from you. So really appreciate it. You have a blessed weekend. Thanks. Thank, thank you. Thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on I've Had It So Good Entertainment. I'm your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.